The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. What's up, all my BBW? That's my barrier-breaking women. It's your girl, AJ Andrews, back again talking about barrier-breaking women and all things that are barrier-breaking women. And as we get into this week with a guest, with the episode, I also want to get into my mellow win for this week. Again, my mellow win, how I've been just navigating life and succeeding, right? Taking advantage and talking about the little things, the little successes that I've had throughout my week that we often, especially as athletes, overlook as we move on to the next. But I'm really excited to talk about my mellow win for this week as your girl it's just making all the boss moves and truly my manifestations, my goals, the things that I've written down are starting to be put into play. And I've stopped pressing pause on my potential. I've stopped yielding on my expectations, on everything that it is that I know I can be and all of the goals that I want to succeed in this world. And I am just pressing play. And right as I press play, I just am taking off. And so for my mellow win this week is your girl is now officially an owner in Players TV, along with three other fabulous women. We are considered the first ladies of Players TV, myself, Natasha Cloud, Angel McCautry and Ariel Powers. We are all four of us women will be helping develop shows for Players TV and also include with working in and on production and different talent roles. So we are joining an amazing, amazing group of athletes along with Travis Kelsey, Trevor Bauer, King Griffey Jr., the list goes on and on, and Chris Paul, even more amazing athletes that are going to be contributing to this platform, to this company, and really telling the athlete stories. And for me, my passion of telling the stories of women in sports, how we continue to break barriers, how we are truly thriving, and we are just taking names. We're not waiting anymore for people to give us this opportunity for people to put our stories out. We are creating those stories on our own. And I am so excited to be able to continue to create stories for women in sports, celebrate women in sports, uplift and completely just elevate those voices and all the amazing things that we are doing on the daily. We are barrier breaking women. We are always breaking barriers. And right now, I'm just excited to be able to have more individuals see the barriers that we are breaking. I'm just so excited, so excited to be a part of Players TV. That is my mellow win. I'd stop pressing pause, yield on my potential and all my goals, and I just started pressing play. And when I began to believe in myself and continue to get around a group of people that believed in me as well, that is what is so important, I think. We think so much. We can't do everything alone, right? I think we sometimes think about the things that we want to do and the goals that we want to reach. Sometimes people will tell us that it's too big or focus on one thing at a time. That's what I've gotten majority of my life because I'm so ambitious. I have so many things I want to achieve. And everyone's like, AJ, just focus on one thing at a time. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know. I really think I can do it all at once. I get it. You know, keep moving forward, keep moving forward, knock one down, then knock down another thing. But I think that I can focus on this, that and the next while also being a professional athlete and achieving all the goals I want to achieve as an athlete. And once I met those individuals that 
knew my potential, knew my value, knew my worth and wanted to help elevate that, that is when things started to begin to take off. And so not only is this my mellow win for myself as far as knowing my potential and knowing what it is that I can do and knowing how amazing I am, but getting with individuals and meeting people that know that as well and want to uplift me and uplift and elevate my story to be able to show the world what it is that I'm capable of. So that's my mellow win for this week. I hope it inspires so many of you to go out and mellow win and stop pressing pause on your potential, on your goals and all the things you want to achieve. And also, you know, no goal is too big. If it's not too big, in my opinion, it is too small. And just get around those individuals that see that vision the same way that you do, because there are people out there that do. And speaking of visions, goals, and just making history and making a lot of money, this next guest on this next episode of Barry Breaking Women, Santia Deck, the amazing, amazing football player. She will be discussing all the things that she's been able to achieve the adversity she has overcome and how it is that she was able to get the biggest check in women's football that really is going to set her apart from the rest. She is a barrier breaking woman and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to just how big of a barrier breaking woman she is and all the barriers that she's breaking. Catch you on this next episode. Today. I have a queen in many facets. We're going to name off just a couple. Santia Deck, or also known as the queen of abs, hello, became the (laughs) highest paid professional female football player when she signed a multi-million dollar contract with the Los Angeles Thames of the WFLA in December of 2019. I'm talking to a woman athlete that is a multi-millionaire if that doesn't get you hyped up i don't know what will santia how are you doing girl i'm doing well i'm doing well been a busy day but good overall (laughs) but a good one yeah her hair looks fabulous the pink is bringing out your complexion we are we're we're moving we're moving (laughs) i want to ask you santia before we kind of jump off into everything When you think about how you said today was a busy day, always moving, I feel like sometimes as athletes, we never take the time to just sit back and look at our wins, right? Sit back and think about what we actually accomplished, how far we've come, because we're always moving to the next. What is your mellow win for this week? So I have a new puppy. He's a Pomeranian. So, you know, with that breed there, blood sugar kind of drops. And so he had to go to the hospital three times since I've had him. Oh, no. But I think last time we kind of figured out what to do so that I can take care of him. I'm just going to be one of those, you know, puppies that I have to constantly kind of keep an eye on. So I'm happy that we finally figured out what it was. And now he's doing great. So I'm just happy to see him, you know, running around and happy. So, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I imagine having a pet. It's like your baby. So thank God oh, you figured yeah. out. <laughs> What's going on with your baby? Yeah, he's definitely like my child. So yes. (laughs) I feel like that is definitely something to celebrate. Thinking about just figuring things out, right? One of my favorite quotes is, everything is figure outable, whether it is with you or things in your life. When we get it done, it feels good. And it 100% is a mellow win. For sure. (laughs) Santia, I want to ask you, when we talk about mellow wins, winning and our melanin, when was the first time that you fell in love with your skin? So with my story, I was one of those kids that grew up, I was very self-conscious because I was a track runner. 
from a, a young age. So I was, I'm, I'm muscular. And obviously as a kid, you know, most of the time you don't see young girls that are very muscular. I was insecure about my shoulders and, you know, I just had really big legs and, you know, I was strong. I was passing most of the guys and things like that. So it took me a long time, honestly, to fall in love with myself. And I, to be quite transparent, I didn't really fall in love with myself until I was in college. So, and that was the first time that I actually like wore a bathing suit. I wore shorts. And like, I remember my friend was like, you know, why do you always wear like uh, pants to the beach? You know, you always have a sweater over your shoulders. You always wearing long sleeve, everything. Like what is, and I was like, man, honestly, like I'm just like insecure about my shoulders and different things like that. And she was like, oh my gosh, you have such a nice body. People would die for your body. I was like, whatever. She was like, okay, I'm going to bet you. And when we go down to South Padre for like spring break, if you get one bad compliment, like one bad, you know, remark about your body, then, you know, you don't ever have to wear a bathing suit again. And I was like, okay, fine. So that went down there for South, you know, for spring break, everybody loved how my body looked and everything. And so then that's honestly when I was like, okay, I guess I can accept myself for who I am. So it took me a long time, but when I did, I mean, I fell right into it. So yeah, it took me uh, some time. Girl, I feel like we just shared the exact same story. When I was growing up, I I was very muscular. Even if I never lifted a weight, I was always super toned. And so people would always make the comments of, oh, AJ, you're so manly. You look so muscular. Like those, and that took a toll on my self-confidence. And it Mm -hmm. honestly, as you said, for me too, wasn't until college that I finally fell in love with my body and enjoyed it and loved it. And it was because I made the decision Am I going to allow these people that have absolutely no effect on my life that are not helping me get to where I want to be? That's when my three P's came in. If you're not bringing me paper, prosperity or peace, I just don't have time for it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so it was kind of like, do I want to focus on them or do I want to be an All-American? Exactly. I want to be an All-American. So I'm going to lift these weights and I'm going to fall in love with my body and who I am. Yes. So with you talking, we're going to dive into that a little bit later, but when you finally fell in love with your body and fell in love with who you are, because it, the hard work that you put is just chiseled on you, right? Your body is an example of all the hard work you put. How, how did that change your mental when you finally fell in love with your body? How did you see yourself maybe even progress further? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, of course my self-esteem, you know, took an upward turn. I just feel like I was able to finally understand what self-love was because I didn't quite understand that because of a number of reasons, you know, but with, with me just having self-confidence issues, of course, how can you love yourself if you don't even like yourself, you know, like how you look. So, you know, I, I like that I was athletic. I like that I was strong. I like that I was fast, but I was like, when I look in the mirror, you know, I used to, when I was little, I used to say, mom, is there a way that I can get like my shoulders shaved down? And I was like, literally probably like nine years old. And my mom was like, why are you like, asking me this and I was like mom I just like you know people make fun of my shoulders all the time and she was like well God made you like that for a reason you're an athlete you're a runner you're supposed to be muscular but of course you know like I'm like okay I don't care about that I want to you know look more feminine or whatever so you know for me it 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 took a it took a, a long time for like like I said a long time for me to love myself but when I did that's when I started experiencing like okay now I understand why I have you know shoulders like this I have calves like this I have you know, arms like this, because I was meant to be a runner. I was meant to do something in a sports world and have a greater purpose than just walking around, you know, looking like a regular woman, I guess, whatever you want to call it. So um, now I'm just like, I'm very confident, you know, and I'm, I'm just happy that I, I went through that experience because I'm also humble. 
because I feel like if I was perfect and then, you know, I, I went, I, I'm doing the things that I'm doing. I don't think, I'm not going to say I won't be the same person, but I feel like when you have to go through trials and tribulations, you have to go through some hard times that always makes you a little bit more grounded and humble. And so like, I appreciate, you know, myself and my body and just female athletes, period, because of just most of us have the same story. You know, we, we all seem like we have like body issues, body conscious issues or whatever. So now I can talk to kids about it. I've talked to gr- little girls that was like, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. You know, I hate the way I look. And I'm like, look, let me tell you, it's going to get better. And you're going to understand why you look like this because you're going to be great one day in whatever sports you're doing. So it was my, one of my testimony, or testimony. <laughs> A word. I think that that's so important because as you do say, so many, so many of the questions we get is how do we allow young girls to feel confident in their athletic bodies? And to not have to get to college like we did to finally yeah. feel confident, to feel confident from the jump. And from what you're saying, it sounds like you have to recognize that you were made this way because you have a purpose, right? Your body is going to get you to these heights, to these levels that you can't see right now, but exactly. it's coming. And the exactly. body that you had allowed you to make multi-million dollars and make <laughs> history. You yes, didn't ma'am. know it at that time. <laughs> And my body allowed me to be the first woman to win a gold glove. So all you young girls with these fabulous muscular bodies know that it is for a purpose and you are beautiful, girl. You're beautiful. Exactly. And also queen of abs. Hello. Who doesn't want that? (laughs) I want to get up in your business. Is that okay with you? Oh, Lord, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> typically, I, typically, I mind my business and drink my water, but I'm going to get up <laughs> in your business right now. As an athlete on the go, we're just going to be diving into some of the amazing things that you do when you're moving and grooving and how you are able to maintain success. So do you have a power song, your favorite song, a hype song that gets you ready before practice or game? You know what? I really don't have like a specific song that I listen to. And honestly, when I'm like going to a game or practice or whatever, I listen to like a variety of music. I listen to country music. I listen to R&B. I listen to Lil Baby and Dub Baby. Like, and then I listen to gospel. But one thing I, I can say that's kind of consistent when I'm about to like, you know, put my music away, I try to listen to a gospel song or listen to like, you know, a little bit of a sermon or something like that. So just so I can be in that, that you know, space or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't have like one song that I go to, like whatever I feel at that time is what I'm going to listen to. <laughs> hey, I feel that my my vibe and my mood changes so much. Like one day I'll be in the gym listening to John B. The next day I'm yeah. listening to Sam Smith. The next day I'm listening to, you know, to Sam Hunt, <laughs> country yeah. music, right? It's just like, it keeps flowing. When you talk about your, your gospel music, that's what you focus on. What's your favorite gospel song? What is that song that allows you lift your hands up? And let go, let God. Oh, man. So uh, definitely God is able. Uh, Smokey Norfolk. I always say running, but I think it's, no, I think it's finish. It's talking about like just finishing through. And it's, he's kind of using like the track analogy, which is perfect because I was running track at the time. So pretty much yeah. anything Smokey Norfolk. Like he's one of my, he's my, he is my favorite gospel, you know, artist. So, yeah. I always try to get the people when you say your songs. <laughs> Get your favorite line from the song. The part that every we all have one line that's like, oh, I missed it. I gotta rewind. Yeah. Right my favorite part. What's your favorite part? So for the finish song, when he says, "Well, run till I finish," which for me was, you know, a track was like my start was amazing. I had a beastly start, but finishing was always like my biggest issue. So I used to always just, you know, try to visualize like when he said that me finishing through the finish line. 
And he just would repeat it, you know, multiple times throughout the song. And so like that kind of stuck with me. Then God is able is just, God is able. That's I mean, That was a punchline. God is able. So, you know, that was my, my big thing. But honestly, the whole song, honestly, all the, every part of the song I could use for motivation um, with both songs. So it wasn't just really one specific line for me. I love that. Allowing the motivation to come through, especially when you're an athlete, to push you into what it is that you may feel like you're lacking at that time. I love it. Unless, you know, you're me listening to John B and getting in your feelings. But <laughs> it happens too. <laughs> what is your hack for an athlete on the go that's always moving? What is something you figured out how to do in order to maintain your schedule and to get things done throughout your day? Oh, meal prep. Meal prep, meal prep. If you're like a super busy athlete, having like an assistant or a friend that kind of can keep your, you know, keep you on schedule, having a planner, you know, to write things down or having alarms on your phone. Cause I know for me, my memory is like just trash. So I have to have somebody <laughs> reminding me or like 20 alarms reminding me that I have something in five minutes that I just scheduled, you know, five minutes ago. So variety of things. But for me as an athlete, we all know our fuel is important. So getting a meal prep company was probably the best thing I could ever do because I literally move around so much. By the time I have practice, I'm like, dang, only one time today. And then I'm dying in practice. So it's like I had to figure that part out. And when I did that, that changed the game for me. Yes. There's just the other day I was doing something. I'm like, have I eaten today? Yeah. Like, we're just always I, moving. That's what I was saying. Like every day I'm like, dang, did I eat? And then I'm like, okay, now I only had a snack and now I'm about to die. So Yeah. <laughs> And you said you use a meal prep company. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. What do you use? Personally, because they literally like whatever diet, you know, or, you know, nutritional plan you want, they have. So I was vegan at one point. I was pescatarian at one point. At one point. Yeah. So now I'm like, <laughs> but whatever I want to be at that time, they got it. So. Oh, that's dope. Mm-hmm. Do you have any game day rituals or superstitions? So my socks, I have to make sure. Well, people already know me. My socks never match. But same is that on purpose? Mine is never on purpose, but is yours on purpose? <laughs> so they don't purpose, match because if I because once I'm like, I actually had a pair that matched, and I was like, What is this? Like, I just have to, <laughs> so it's kind of weird now. So, like, I have to make sure I lay out my socks, you know, on my dresser. Um, and then that's that's really my main thing making sure my socks match, make, making sure they're even. Like, I'm really like OCD about that. And having my necklace on, if I don't have my necklace on, I feel like I'm naked or having earrings on in or whatever. So it's just for me, it's just about how, how I look. I don't know why. I will, I do know why. So my idol at that time when I was running track and still to this day was uh, Flojo. You know, she was like, just gorgeous, like glammed out. So like I took her style when I was like in middle school and high school and kind of like implemented into my life. So I wear my hair down, I have makeup on. So now I feel like if I don't look good, I'm not going to perform. So like, that's just a big part of who I am now. Oh, always yeah. look good, feel good, play good. Right. It is. <laughs> basically gospel for us athletes mm-hmm. what is your power pony what is your hairstyle when you're about to go play that makes you just feel like that you know that girl oh man so I, that, the pineapple <laughs> like I have my hair up and a little in my hair hanging down in my face and as a running back that's always that's I, I never thought about it because it was just like I thought that was a comfortable hairstyle but you can't see where I'm looking so like for me it's almost like having a visor on but yeah my hair gotta be flowing gotta be the curls gotta be popping all of that. <laughs> I love that. Power pony. All right, this one, get into it. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. What is your most embarrassing moment 
And what did it teach you? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so I got two, though. So when I was <laughs> in middle school, I had a huge crush on this new guy, right? And I, at that time, he had a crush on me. And so okay. I was playing basketball, and I was clearly not a basketball player. Like, I was great at defense because I was fast, but I could not dribble to save my life. I couldn't shoot to save my life. So I don't even know how I made the 18, but I always made the 18. So, like... I remember we had a game that day and it was a home game. And I was like, oh, you should come watch me play. And I should have never said that because I knew that I wasn't that great, but whatever. So, like, he <laughs> ends up coming, like, you know, right when I go in because he came out late or whatever. And I'm, like, <laughs> running down the court. Normally I pass the ball, but I was like, no, I got to make it because he's here. So, like, I'm running. The ball's all the way behind me, first of all, because I don't know how to dribble, like, with the ball in front of me. And then, like, I finally get to, like, halfway down the court pretty much I don't know where I was and I remember I shot the ball and it went over the goal and it bounced out the gym and he literally ah. left and didn't come back and I was like oh <laughs> that like broke my my heart and I was like that was it for me with basketball after that but and then like he didn't want to go to prom with me not prom but what was it like middle school dance after that I was just like, dang, like, that's how we're going to be. So, like, that literally killed myself to swim in basketball. And then I realized I was a track <laughs> So, I'll tell you, that was the most Lesson learned. Ever. Track is my sport. <laughs> yeah. So, I never, yeah. That was just a terrible, terrible, yeah, experience. I mean, if you want to drop names, go ahead and drop names. Because look at where you are now. <laughs> so and so. Ellis, I don't know where you are in this little world right now, but. You broke my spirit in basketball, so but it's cool because I found my purpose. So don't right, worry. Right, but you directed me. You walking out that gym <laughs> led me to my purpose, Ellis. Exactly, Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Oh also, God. Ellis, she's making millions of dollars, Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pivot a little bit, Santia. I love everything you talked about. You mentioned how you ran track. You mentioned how, well, y'all know if you didn't mention, but you ran track, superstar track runner, running at Texas A&M University, Kingsville. You also, rugby player, also playing flag football. What led you to this journey of now making history, playing professional football? Was that always a goal for you? No, no, like, that's, that's the inter interesting thing about my general football. It wasn't something that I even thought I was going to ever do when I was younger, I was a tomboy, and so, like, I was always in the backyard with my twin brother and other two brothers, like, throwing the football, catching, doing ladder drills, just doing it because they were doing it. And I didn't realize that they were actually, like, they were shaping me into becoming, like, an actual football player. So when I was done with track after college, I was looking for something to kind of fill that void of, like, no longer being an athlete. And I was driving one day, I saw like a flag football sign that was like, I guess, a, a practice or a tryout. And I was like, oh, okay, this sounds cool. I played powder puff one day, you know, one time in my life. So maybe I would be good. And so like, I went out there and I like killed it at the tryout. And the coach was like, how long have you been playing football? And I was like, uh, never. And he was like, well, you're like really, really good. You're super agile. And so like, you know, that started my career. That's how like I went viral and I got all these social media followers and everything else, all these opportunities, but I also got recruited to play rugby through flag football. I got recruited to play um, a little bit of LFL. And then now, you know, I was recruited by the LF or the WFLA because she had been scouting me since college and she saw what I was doing on flag football field. So flag football was really the reason why I even became honestly who I am to this day, but who I never would have thought that me just going to try out because I thought it was going to be fun 
would end up becoming like a literally like a career. So it's it's crazy how that works, honestly. It really is. I always talk to the power of a moment. Like you never know who's watching. You never know when your moment's going to be your moment. What's going to change from that moment? I talk about me getting recruited to LSU. I got recruited because I made a diving catch as an LSU coach was walking by. And if I just hadn't made that one catch, I made all these catches in my life. But if I didn't go for that one ball in that one moment, that one game, my entire life could be completely different. The power of a moment, you just going out to the flag football field to now you leading into making history. When you think about the fact that you have made history and how those moments, everything's kind of just lined up for you. Do you believe in coincidences or do you believe every single step, everything that you go through in your life is a part of the journey you're supposed to be on to get where you're supposed to be? Yeah, I'm very, very spiritual. I'm a child of God. So I believe everything is already written. I believe, you know, God puts gifts and talents and, you know, things inside of us at birth. And um, it's up to us to really discover them. And I feel like everything that has happened in my life was meant to be. Like, whenever I get, you know, a chance to tell my story, it'll make a lot more sense because I was, the thing with people, people don't really know about me. I was never like that, just super, like I was super athletic and super talented, but I was, I like always was like almost there. Like I never had reached like my full potential in anything. Like I was like the kid that would work super hard, go to school early, run bleachers when everybody would sleep, stay after late. It's just all that extra stuff. And I would almost get to like, district I'll get to nationals and then I'll get injured or I would miss it by like a millisecond or whatever so like meanwhile my brothers were like first year ever doing anything and like like superstars so I was always like when is it gonna be my turn when is it gonna be my turn but one thing about me is I, I am super super ambitious and I I'm going to be I'm gonna persevere that's one thing about me and um, I never gave up so I feel like all of those times where like I could have been like you know what maybe this isn't for me maybe I should just stop and go do something else I feel like God was like shaping me into who, uh, who I am, which is just a super resilient person. And I feel like if I, if this would happen back then, I wouldn't have known how to handle it. But now since I've failed and I've like had to get, like pull myself up and do all these things, like now I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this. Like I'm prepared for it. So I feel like God allows doors to open when it's time to open and he closes doors when it's time for them to close. So that's why I honestly, I don't worry about anything in life because I'm like, if it's meant to be, it's going to be, it's already written. So it's no point of worrying about it. So that's just how I live my life. A word. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Sometimes one of my favorite quotes is sometimes when you feel like everything's falling apart, it's actually falling together. Yes. And you don't necessarily know that until you can continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. With everything that you've accomplished and how you've been able to go through the different adversity that you've gone through to ultimately make history and have a multi-million dollar deal. That's something we don't hear about in professional women's sports, right? It never happens. Yeah. If it does, it's very, very rare. Right. What do you think your historic deal, how that kind of sets the precedent for women in sports and just the new standard for what we should expect and how women in sports should be treated and paid? Honestly, I think you put pressure. It puts pressure on other leagues to do the same, to really pay women what they deserve to really give us equal opportunity to, you know, uh, have the same type of exposure, the same type of opportunities, obviously the same type of pay scale, whatever it may be, because I feel like with this happening, first of all, like you said, it's not really a popular thing. Now there's other like soccer people and now there's 
softball people and WNBA people like, okay, what about, like, what are you going to do now? You see that this has happened, so what, what's going to happen for us? So now it's kind of like putting pressure on the higher-ups to, like, really make some change. And I feel like even outside of what I've done, like, women that are now coaching the NFL, they're not coaching the, the, uh, the NBA, that are refereeing, that are, like, kicking in college and things like that, like, women are doing some really amazing things that literally 20 years ago it wouldn't even been a thought so I'm just happy that I can be a part of that and help kind of pioneer this whole thing and now like I always say like when I was young my, my brothers always had the opportunity to say I want to go to the NBA it's possible I want to go to the, the NFL it's possible and take care of my family it's very possible but for me it was like uh well if I ran track I'm not gonna really have a livable salary and if I went this direction, I would have to probably work a second job. So now that we have this league, it's like, okay, my future daughter or niece, you know, nieces want to actually go and play football and take care of their family while doing it, it's possible. So I feel like that's kind of what it's creating. It's like, okay, now girls have something to look, look forward to. And I feel like, again, now that's going to put pressure on the, the WNBA and all these other, like, women leagues to do the same thing so that women – can like really be, you know, become the best version of themselves. Cause if you can't really become who you can be like fully, if you're worrying about money, worrying about who's going to watch my kids, like all these things that women that have to worry about that men don't. So I feel like that should be something that people should focus more on. It's like, okay, how can we make these, uh, the, the lives easier for these women athletes? Because we know it is a difference. You know, everybody wants to talk about the difference between the physical and this and that, that men, you know, men and women are, you know, they different, which is obvious. But what about just life things that we have to go through, like giving birth, <laughs> getting pregnant? You know, we have to have time off to do that. So it's like it's so much that needs to happen. But I feel like we are we are honestly breaking barriers right now. And like that needle is like finally moving. So I feel like in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see some really you know big things happening. So I'm just happy to see it happening it happening and to be a part and of the change <laughs> yes ma'am being yeah. one of the people that are moving the needle for the change mm -hmm. when you heard about this deal and that it was coming <laughs> to you what were your first thoughts when they said Cynthia we believe in you so much we're going to give you this historic and groundbreaking deal to not just play a sport but to play football a sport yeah. that so many people don't think of women when they hear of football, what were your initial thoughts? So how, how it even came about was um, I was actually at the time when the owner first, Karen's Lupe Rose, when she first came to my mom, who's also my manager, about the league, I was training for rugby to go to, be, to, go to the Olympics. So I, I thought I was going to be like an Olympic hopeful. Well, I was an Olympic hopeful, but I got injured. So my mom was like, well, she's focused on the Olympics right now. You know, you know I would love to hear more information, but she, it's really nothing to talk about at this moment because she's focused on the Olympics. So, of course, Lupe was like, okay, cool. I'll back off. You know, let me know how that goes. And, you know, a few months later, I guess you heard that I got injured. So that was the end of my whole Olympic run or whatever. At that time, I was like going through a depression because I was like, okay, all of 2019, all I was focused on was like rugby in the Olympics. So like all my money went to that, all my time, I lost friendships, relationships, all of that, just so that I could focus on getting to the Olympics, like with rugby, because I was so new. So I had to, I had to travel to New Zealand, to Australia, to all these different places where rugby was like really big to learn really quickly because I was so new, but everybody believed that I had the talent to do it. So I was like killing my body. I was mentally drained. I was emotionally drained, 
physically everything that could possibly happen, I was just drained. And so when I got the call that I didn't make it because when I finally got in front of the coach, I literally had the worst trial of my life because I was so like, I was literally jogging and I thought I was like about to die. Like I thought I was going to pass out. That's how tired I was. And my, my, my doctor had told me like, if you don't slow down, you're going to burn out. And I was like, okay, cool. And then the next week I was in New Zealand. So it was like, I was never believed that stuff. And I finally did. I burned out right in front of the coach, which was like the worst thing that could ever happen. So he was like, oh, you know, like didn't performance what we thought, blah, blah, blah. So that sent me into depression. I, I didn't, I wasn't eating. I wasn't talking to anybody. My mom was like, since you got it, you got to come out. Like, I know that it hurts. I understand, you know, it's trauma, obviously, but you have to make a decision whether, you know, you're going to lay here and allow this to just kind of like, you know, define who you are, or you're going to allow God to take the reins, you know, give him the reins of your life and allow him to do what he's going to do. And she told me to pray. And I remember that night I actually listened and I was like, you know what? God, I don't know who I am at this point. I don't know what, you, what I'm supposed to be doing. I thought it was the Olympics. I, I was so close, always so close. And then it was like, you know, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to be doing right now, but I'm just going to lay it at your feet. I'm going to allow you to have the reins over my life and whatever it's supposed to be will be. And so literally like two months later, you know, I was just still kind of recovering and I got a call from, uh, from Lupe Rose. And well, actually I got a call from my mom because I was at the movie theater with one of my homegirls. My mom kept blowing my phone up and I was like, why is she calling me so much? And usually when your parents call you that much, you think somebody dies. Yeah, so nervous, yeah. I stepped out, yeah, I stepped out the theater and I was like, mom, what's up, what's up? She was like, sit down. And I was like, what? I said, mom, what's wrong? Somebody died. She's like, no, sit down. I'm trying to, I have to tell you something. I was like, what? She said, Lupe just called me and she offered you this amount of money and you just became the highest paid female football player in history. And I remember I just like screamed and my friend thought somebody died. Barry breaker alert, Barry breaker alert. (laughs) And so that's, that's how it happened. Like I didn't understand, but I always tell people, this is like the analogy that I use. Like, I don't know if you've seen that meme, where it was like a little little kid who had a tiny teddy bear in his hand and then God had like a huge bear behind his back. And the little boy was like, yeah. but God, this is all I have. And God was like, but I have something better. You know, so you never know like what God has planned because I thought the Olympics was, that was it. That was the biggest you could go. That was the best thing you could ever do in life. And I never thought that I was going to make history for anything. So for this to happen the way it did, I was like, okay, that shows that when you really give it to God, doors that you didn't even know existed will open and that's what happened so that's how i'm here that's why i'm here Boom. <laughs> bust it wide open yes one of my favorite <laughs> things that allowed me to to maintain through you know the hardships through adversity through us you say disappointments right things that you felt like were right there you asked them those questions of god why like i was so close this is you know how much i wanted this this is something yeah. that i want to do so bad and as you said right sometimes god is like i know you want this but i got something better right yep. every no no isn't really a no it's just a a new direction mm-hmm. or wait a little longer i want to take you somewhere else <laughs> Yeah. Or I got something better. And also, if you ever want to make God laugh, tell, tell me her. <laughs> I think I think God's a woman, though. So if you ever want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, I love that. When when football, right? And you playing football, a male-dominated sport, a sport when you think of, and if you hear someone talking about football, they're going to naturally assume the NFL. They're not going to think they're talking about the WFLA, right? Which they should be because it's starting in May. 
this yep. 2021 hopefully. Hopefully. hopefully starting in may 2021 so we're going to be on the radar for that but typically you hear football and people immediately think of the nfl mm-hmm. what are you trying to do to change that narrative to where when you think of football women can also be in that conversation and it not just be immediately oh the nfl that must be what yeah. you're talking about yeah, I mean, honestly, like what, what I've kind of been been doing, to be honest, is kind of continuing to push it, you know, push it out there to the media. Whenever I do interviews, I have a conversation, talk about it, just continue to promote it and let women know that it's something that exists because there's still a lot of women that don't even know that they have this opportunity. So I think, honestly, all of us that's in the league, our job is to really just expose it, promote it, you know, do as much as we can to, you know, stay in the media so that people can know that it exists. And unfortunately, you know, it is still, uh, we still have a long way to go with women playing football because it's still such a small amount of people that know about it. So um, for us, again, it's just to, to keep it in the media. I mean, that's that's really the only way it's going to grow. Yeah, keep telling. I tell people all the time, especially women in sports, we have to be loud about our success. We have to be loud about what it is that we're doing because we have to force people to pay attention. Yep. You don't know about this? Well, you're going you're gonna to get to know today. Mm-hmm. Get ready. And I love how that's what you're doing in order to push it. When you think about your journey in playing football and when you tell people I am the highest paid women's football player, do you ever get any negative comments, negative feedback, people saying football is just for men? And how do you um, navigate <laughs> those comments? Yeah, honestly, when I first, when my, uh, when my press release went viral the first time, I had a lot of support from like all over the world and all levels of people. But then, of course, I had people that would, first of all, people assumed that I was, like, playing in the NFL. So I had to go, like, on Kelly Clarkson's show and all these different, like, really big, you know, shows and say, hey, I'm just letting y'all know I'm playing with women. I have no desire to play with men. I understand I'm a woman. I'm 5'1". I'm 135 pounds on a good day. What am I really going to do in the NFL? So, you know, I had to make that. I still think you can do everything, but. Well, I'm good. Good. <laughs> I know my limitations. I'm a little small for that. So. Uh, but no, so I was like, I don't think, clearly that's not what I'm trying to do. That's never been my thing. I had to just, yeah, clear that. And then as far as social media, you know, there's people that's, again, they feel like, oh, you should be in the kitchen. You should be having kids. You know, are you trying to be a man? And I'm like, what, when, when did women wanting to play with women ever made us want to be a man? I'm confused, you know, maybe because you feel like this is just for men because it's football, but there's WNBA. There's other leagues that are under, you know, men leagues or whatever. So it's like, that was my, my big thing that I could deal with. But honestly, I just have to grow thick skin. Like, I understand that that's what comes with the territory. This It's a male-dominated sport. But honestly, I don't care. Like, I don't mind making people mad. That's just part of it. So, like, I just show them, like, yeah, I play. I show them my film. And then it's like, okay, you play for real. And then that's the end of the conversation. So, like, it's like I have to just shut people down, hey. which I don't mind doing. Yeah, it just is. That's what comes with it, unfortunately, as a woman. Dang, I love that. It's, I think that it's so important sometimes, especially when you hear the negative comments. First of all, the, the kitchen one. Oh, my God. If, get, some new, <laughs> get some new content. Right. You know, like, it's, it's, like it's that's old. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, you know, when we talk about everything that we're doing as athletes and how we're trying, women athletes, and moving everything forward, we have to remember that we are just as capable and we are just as talented and that we have to force or use those comments as motivation and not as an anchor. How do you not allow those negative comments to get to you? 
How do you allow that to be something that you you just brush off, you don't care, and you allow your success to be your noise? You're not worried about what it is that they're saying or doing. I'm just going to prove you wrong. How do you develop that mind mentality? I'm very confident in myself and I know who I am. So what anybody says about me really is just like, all right, <laughs> you know, that's cool. And then for me, it's like what you think about me or your opinion of me is not going to stop what I've already done. I've already made history. I'm already moving forward in my life. I'm already doing all these other things. So you saying, oh, you shouldn't be here, but I am here. So what's up? You know, oh. so like what can what like that's not going to change because you don't want to see me here. So like I I ha- again had to develop thick skin. Like I demand, you know, respect from people, especially men, because men always want to try, especially when you're a female that looks decent. They feel like, oh, she's just pretty and stupid and that's it. But when they hear me talk and then I have my mom, who's also like a lioness, you know, behind me as well. Like we don't tolerate bullshit from anybody, men or women. So for me, it's just, again, like I feel like I belong in whatever I I walk in. You have to have you have to feel that way. Otherwise, people are going to sense that, okay. She feel like she might shouldn't be here. So let's let's give a reason to feel like, you know, for real, she shouldn't be here. So, again, it's just about demanding the room, demanding respect, knowing who you are, being confident, you know, keeping your 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 standards, keeping your morals. I don't compromise for anybody ever for at, at all. I've been I have I've had interviews where people are like, you know, I know you talk about you talk about your faith a lot, but this show is not so. And I'm like, oh, we're just not going to do this interview, because if I can talk about what I want to talk about, but you want to interview me. What, are we, what am I here for? I don't compromise anything about myself for anybody and I never will. So that's just how I am. Oof, I love that. Never compromise anything about yourself. You talk about, when you say, you know, men, they're the, they're the main ones that try to try us when it comes to our skill and our abilities. Do you have a story or you have one instance in which a man came at you incorrect and you straightened him all the way out? Oh man, I don't know what story to start. Um, <laughs> which one? One of one of a hundred, AJ. Which one? I'm trying to think. <laughs> there was a time. Um, this was like a long time ago, and I was really, really new in like the entertainment world because I was like getting into. I was in fitness, and I was also doing like uh, TV stuff. So I was like really new in that world, but I wasn't new because I grew up in that industry, and people didn't know that. You know, I remember there was like. Uh, <laughs> There was like this person that wanted to interview me about, no, he wanted to talk to me about a business opportunity that could lead me to getting like more TV opportunities. And unfortunately, my mom couldn't go that day, which was all, it's always a mistake when your mom can't go with you uh, or your manager, period. So I was like, all right. My mom was like, well, I think you got it. If you don't, just call me, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, whatever. So I went to the interview. I should have known when I walked in, it was going to be some BS because you you can tell by body language, like how this situation is going to go. So I walk in the room, I have a dress on, obviously, but it's, it's very professional. It's not like super tight. And the guy looked me up and down. And that was already a no for me. So just like the, 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 the very obvious. Yeah, like I think you're attractive, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I don't, I don't play that. So I was like, all right. In my head, I was like, okay, that's already X, but I'm just see what you got to say. So we're talking. He's like, you know, there's this opportunity that I feel like I could get you. I don't know if you know anything about the um, entertainment business. And I was like, I told you that my father and my mother are in the industry. So I know a lot about it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I understand that. But I know you're new. And I know, you know, you might not know certain things that I know because I'm a little older than you. He just was like, very like, you know, like talking right. towards me. And I don't like people talking at me. Like, don't do that. So I was just looking at him. I was like, look, I'm going to tell you this. 
I have parents that have owned radio stations, that have managed music artists, that have gotten people into movies as well. The only reason I'm here is because I'm trying to do things on my own to make my own way. I said, but I don't need you. If I, honestly, I could probably put you in a position to, to be better, to be greater. <laughs> and he was like, well, well, who's your parents? Who's your parents? So I told him who my parents were. He was like, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. You know, he, so he, then it's like, okay, let me apologize. Let me take everything back now. I'm going to be professional. So then the conversation shifted. And so like, I, I called my mom, I was like, mom, you won't believe what just happened. And I told her the story. She was like, well, Cynthia, that's what's going to happen throughout your life. But you understand that, you know, stay. She always said, my mom was always telling me, remain who you are, never compromise. And always remember what your morals are. And if anybody doesn't like what your morals may be, then you should exit the room. And that's what happened. So at the end of the, that conversation, he still wanted to work together. I said, I'm good. I don't need you. And that was the end of the conversation. So <laughs> I've had to do that to so many people in so many different ways. And it's, it's, it's you unfortunate. You have to do that in any in sport? Like where someone's just, you know, coming at you where it's like, yeah. this is, this is what we do. And you kind of like, oh, I, I know oh, I've been, man. I've been doing I'm this. i tell you <laughs> like working out with me. Cause I normally I work out with guys because they're going to push you obviously. So people always like, well, well maybe we should take off some weight for her or maybe she should do, maybe she should have a head start. And I'm like, bro, I can outwork you probably. I might can't lift 500 pounds. But one thing I, I can probably outwork you as far as endurance wise, like I, I'm going to be still standing up while you're on the ground. And I, there was times like there was moments where I went out, definitely when I was vegan. That's why I love being vegan. I can't do it all the time, but sometimes. But when I was vegan, I remember I had worked out with all these NFL players, right? Like off season. And I had only ate avocado toast and a mango. And of course, what do NFL players eat? Whole bunch of meat, greasy stuff, whatever they eat. And I remember like, after every freaking like drill we did, I was up. They were like laid out on the ground. Like, how are she up, man? Sit down, sit down. We're not, we're not trying to go. I'm like, no, y'all was looking at me like I shouldn't be here. So get up, let's go. So it's like, I, I work hard. And like, I don't think men expect me to be as athletic as I am, even yeah. though they might be on social media. Like, I think it's different in person. So like, I feel like they're always trying to test me or try me. And I, right. I have no problem shutting people down so it's just that's just part of that's what that's what come with it you know so yeah that's my life <laughs> I guess oh I love that shit I'm, I'm waiting I'm waiting on y'all I don't know what y'all doing yeah man do you have when you think about because you work with a lot of NFL players is there an NFL player that was maybe your favorite to work out with that you maybe learned when you're getting into football that he was able to help you or learn something from also yeah. on the flip side of that any NFL players that you have a story where you on the field showed them up? Oh, so I would say my favorite. Um, he's he's like an ex NFL player. Now his name is Larry Morrow, and um, he was one of the guys that I felt like didn't try to like degrade me in a way as far as like thinking that I was capable of what I could do. If anything, he kind of pushed me. He kind of helped me and put me in different positions to meet people. It's a train of facilities that I probably would have never had access to. And to this day, he's still like a big brother to me. And then as far as like an athlete that I showed up, <laughs> uh, honestly, this weekend for All-Star Weekend, his name is Miko. Miko, he played for the Chiefs, very young. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I went to play against him so bad, but I didn't. But I haven't honestly went against any, like, I don't think they would want to do that. To be honest, like oh, I, I love that I energy. I just think that's just men. Like they, they don't want to like possibly have that, the opportunity yeah. <laughs> to be like lose. embarrassed. Yeah. So like I haven't like there's been people that like we have our little like back and forth, but it, has it ever happened? No, no, not yet. 
<laughs> who would you, if you were to call someone out, who would you call out right now? <laughs> I would honestly want to do something with Saquon Barkley. Mm, yeah. I think Another he's running back. He's a beast though. Like I would want to see him and Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, those three, just because I feel like I want to see how, how I compare, you know, to them. Well, I want you to know that you can't compare where you don't compete. You're in a whole league on your own, Santia, whole league on your own. But we all we love good allies. We love male allies. So yeah. Zeke, Saquon, if you guys are up for the challenge, I would love to see it. Love to see it. You being the queen of abs, Santia, we talked about this a little bit earlier. But, you know, even as especially when we dive into body consciousness, self-care, self-love and how both of us, it took us a long time to really fall in love with our bodies and the muscles and everything in between. You know, a lot of that comes down to black women in general. We're scrutinized a lot more for our bodies and our body types and how it looks. How do you think that that can be overcome, right? And why is it that the media looks at us, black women, as something completely different that it has to judge more? And for you, for myself as well, when we get past that, what does that look like? I think... The only way that that we can really up, overcome that as black women is to just not care what people think, because mm. it doesn't honestly, that's just the way that the word is set up. Uh, yeah. We are one of the most hated things, species, whatever you want to call it. So it's always going to be obstacles. But I feel like we can overcome any obstacle, to be quite honest. But it's all going to start to be quite honest. We want to get deep about it. That's going to start from when you're young. You have parents that are telling you that you're beautiful, that you're enough, that your body is, you know, you are in control of your own body. Nobody can tell you anything about your own body. Just pouring self-love into us at a young age, because I know so many women that didn't have that. And you can tell that they didn't have that because they're going under the knife. They feel like they got to, you know, change their entire features to look more whatever they want to look because they feel like it's not they're inadequate for whatever reason. So with me, even though I, I had the whole body conscious issue, when I was at home, my mom and my father made me feel like I was like a princess at all times. So like, that's why I feel like I was still able to overcome a lot of things and I didn't go left. is because I had a tribe of people that were letting me know that I was enough. You know, I feel like that's important. I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of us don't have that. And then we go out into the world and the world's going to tell you everything that you're not. They're going to tell you that you're not, you're not good enough. You're not beautiful enough. Oh, you should, you know, do this. You should, your hair should be this long or whatever. Your eyelashes should be this long. So I feel like it starts at home and when you're a kid. And if you don't have that, then it's going to be hard to really know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, then anybody can tell you who you should be. So, you know, for me, it starts when you're a kid, when you're a young girl. So, yeah start with the young girl if you don't have family or friends that are able to pour that kind of love into you pour it into yourself every day with those affirmations talk about affirmations (laughs) so important talking about how beautiful your body is how beautiful your skin is for a black woman and how it is that as you're moving forward as we talked about earlier your body is going to take you to heights that so many other people will not be able to reach always remember that santia what is the best advice Sounds like you've had an amazing and loving family. What's the best advice you've ever received from anyone throughout your football career? The one thing that always sticks in my mind that I feel like really pushed me to be where I am right now 
is I remember when I was in uh, I was in high school and I had this track coach. His name is Coach Robertson. To this day, he's still my favorite coach. And he was always just like really hard on me, always hard on me, always hard on me. And I didn't understand. And I remember one time, like I was a hundred runner, two hundred runner, four by one. That was it. So, like straight sprint specialist. And I remember for whatever reason, we were doing like continuous 400s that day. And I'm like, why are we doing this? This is not what I'm, I signed up for. But I did it and I was winning. So, of course, I'm like, okay, I won. I'm happy, like, blah, 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 like, big head, whatever. But I had bent over, and I was, like, dying on the ground, and everybody was walking ahead of me. And my coach was like, Cynthia, get up, get up, get up. I'm like, what is he mad for? I just won. I don't even run this race. And he was like, let me ask you something. He said, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? And I was like, I want to be great. He was like, so why are you laid on the ground while everybody that you beat is walking ahead of you? You should never allow anybody to walk ahead of you. You should never allow anybody to to show you up in any kind of way that even, even when it means like not resting so that you can, you know, get back to the starting, the starting line first, you should always be first, no matter what in life. It doesn't even matter if it's track. It doesn't matter if it's business, whatever. You should always want to be first and you should always want to be the best. And that should show in your work ethic and even how you rest and recover. And I was like, dang, wow. So I kind of took that whole thing, the whole situation and I applied that to my life and, now I feel like I should always be ahead, a step ahead of everybody. I should be working harder. I should be in the gym when nobody's in, in the gym. Even when I've already become the best in the world, I should still be working to become better than myself in some way. So like I took that lesson and literally it helped shape me into who I am today. That is such an important lesson. Mm-hmm. Always working to be better than yourself yesterday. Better than your best. <laughs> better than your best. Better, good, better, best. Be Never better. Been. than the rest yeah (laughs) (laughs) i want to ask you okay we're now getting into the it is what it is no it is what i make it portion of our conversation where i'm talking to you because you are someone that has negated the it is what it is mindset and turned it into no it is what i make it I determine my own destiny. I determine and define who it is I am and what I'm going to be. And what was one moment, Santia, where someone doubted you or told you what you could or could not do? And you, as you've been doing, showed them up and proved them wrong. I guess my famous story. So when I was in college, I went to, you know, a a D2 school, whatever. And I was like in love with track. That was my life, you know, going in as a freshman. I remember my, my track coach, he was like, you know, what do you, what is your goal for track? And I was like, I want to go to the Olympics. He just laughed at me. And I was like, okay. And that was the start of our like downward spiral relationship. He was always just very hard on me, always mean to me. And I like, I'm a very nice person. Like very, it takes a lot for me to get mad. And I remember I actually like spazzed out on him. And I like, I've never done that to an adult in my life, you know? That's how bad of a spirit that he had towards, you know, towards me or whatever. And so um, at the end of the year, I was kind of burnt out. He had kind of took my, my passion away, to be quite honest. And at the end of the year, we had we had a chance to go to, to nationals in a four by one. But I also had the opportunity to go home after I graduated and start my business. And so my mom was like, well, you got to choose. Like, honestly, the, the day of your, your meet is the same day that the production company can film for your show. So you got to figure out which one's more important. So, of course, in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't care about this coach. I don't care about winning him a national championship. So I want to go home and I want to start my life. And so, like, I went I went into his office 
And I was like, hey, coach, um, you know, I told you about my situation. You know, honestly, I think I'm going to probably just go home. You know, I'm already trying to, like, recover from injuries. And I have the opportunity to start my life. And he was like, he just laughed. He looked at me, he laughed. And he was like, wow, you have to do something really big in life, something really major in life to make up for this. And I doubt that you will. And I was like, mm, bet. Bet. Yeah. <laughs> bet. And like literally the next year, I had started my TV, I had filmed my TV show. Uh, I started training celebrities. I went on a tour to train like military bases. I was doing all these things. I started like a clothing line, a supplement line. And um, of course, he heard about it. So I remember I came back for uh, homecoming that next year. I was walking with my friends and I seen him. And of course, I didn't speak. I mean, I was just behind some petty. And so <laughs> he had came up to me. He was like, wow, I heard you doing really big things. And I said, yeah. Yeah, I remember when you said that, that I wouldn't. And I just walked away. And that was it. So I literally used like his negativity as a stepping stone for me to become who I am today. And even when, when I feel like there, there's days where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I think about his voice. I think about that moment in the office when I felt like somebody had like punched me in the stomach, you know, and I'm like, dang, like you're a grown man talking to your athlete like this. I use that just for motivation. That was probably the biggest like in your face, you know, moment that I could have ever had. Remember when you said I wouldn't? <laughs> Did think about I had that. That's to say, man. Nothing to say. I didn't like that, man. <laughs> Did not like that, man. <laughs> On the other side of that, you being able to show that coach what exactly you're made of and how you're going to be twice as whatever he thought you wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. What was an adversity or something that you went through in your life that, again, you also allowed shape you instead of break you? The loss of my like one of my best friends in college, because so there's only two people that I've ever met in my life that I feel like were was was similar to me when it comes to just all aspects of life. And unfortunately, though, those are both my best friends and they both passed. Until this day, I haven't really met anybody that I can say is like, we just, we're here. You know, I have some great friends, but we're all very different. Me and Randy were very close. He was like my training buddy. He was the one that kind of motivated me to like stay in school. The days I was like, man, I'm tired of this. I want to go home, I'm homesick. He was the one that was just constantly motivating me to like stay on that path. I remember... It was the summer of me going into my senior year. I had got a call. So towards the end of the year, he was like always sick. And it was hot, super hot. He was like, he would have a cold. He would have a fever. He was always sweating. I'm like, man, what's up with you? He's like, oh, man, I went to the doctor. They just said, you know, I have a virus or whatever. I was like, okay, cool. But he wasn't getting better. So I, I was always concerned about that. But I was like, okay, I guess, you know, what he's talking about he's grown, whatever. And so, like, I went home that summer. Um, and I had got a call that he had been diagnosed with cancer. And so I was like, okay, um, is he okay? They're like, uh, nah, he's not doing well. And uh, literally within two months, he was gone. So it was like they missed it. Two months later, he was gone. And um, I remember I walked into the room with him, you know, and I seen him and just how fragile he looks. I just remember him saying, like, you know, I'm ready to go. Like, it's time for me to go. That was probably the most traumatizing thing I've ever experienced in my life. And uh, But I remember all the times, like, he would tell me, like, since he if you really want this dream, you have to do what it takes. You have to go get it. There cannot be excuses. It doesn't matter how hard it gets. It doesn't matter how many people don't believe in you because he used to be in the stands, you know, cheering for me when other people weren't cheering for me. And he was just like my biggest, one of my biggest support systems outside of like my family. And um, I just remember like after that, you know, after him passing, like I would visualize, you know, sitting in the stands and different things like that. 
even now that I think like, man, Randy, if you could be here, like all those talks we had, like you would be so proud of the things that I've done because you said it would happen. Same thing with my friend in middle school, even though we were kids, like she was like, I'm going to see you on TV one day. You know, we're going to, you know, we're going to, I'm going to be, you know, uh, in the Olympics for soccer. You're going to be in the Olympics for track. I know it's going to happen. I know it. I know it. And like, they all believed in me so, so much. And then that same year, my grandfather passed. And it was the same thing. I remember I told him, I said, Dad, you know, grandfather or, you know, granddaddy Jay, I'm going to make it for you. He was like, I know you are. I know you're going to make it. I just used all three of them as just like my my fuel, you know, on, on those days where I'm like, man, I don't want to do this. But I'm like, man, I'm saying I don't want to do this, but they're not even here to do it if they want to do it. So I got to live for them. I got to fight for them. And that's why I'm, I think I'm also so like headstrong and so motivated because I'm like, man, it's a blessing to be here. I know people that are here. So if I have a chance to wake up every day, why wouldn't I go hard? Why wouldn't I go get it? What is stopping me besides me? So that's just how I feel. Only thing between us and our success often is ourself. Yep. Melanated and celebrated, Santia. You are beautifully melanated and you are here to be celebrated. I know you were on the Kelly Clarkson show where you met 13-year-old Ariel Calderon, who was moved to tears to be able to meet you, an idol, a hero, because she plays football and to be able to watch you doing everything you're doing and making history allowed her to feel like she could too. Santia, what do you say to those girls that are in those positions and where do you where do you see football going in the next five years? Where do you want to be? Where do you see it? And what opportunities do you see for these young girls? Well, honestly, all I have to say is if you want to go get it, simple as that. You know, it's there, it's attainable, it can be yours if you want it to be yours, if you believe it, if you believe that you're you're worthy enough to have it. As far as like what I see for football. They're, we're making so much noise right now and that in, in this world of football, you know, there's so many girls, you know, women, period, just doing amazing things um, as far as refereeing and coaching and G, G, uh, GM positions and just like kicking in college, you know, uh, stadiums and everything else. Like it's so much happening for women in football. I feel like we are one day going to be just as big as the NFL. Yes. If not, if not bigger. So I feel like, you know, we're on the path to do some really great things. There's some some really great women that I can't wait for people to see their talent because they're so talented. I'm just excited to see what, you know, just us, you know, women getting what, what, we, what we deserve. Because there's been women that I know that have played for 10 years and haven't got paid a dime. So now that they can finally get paid with their worth, I just, I mean, what can you say? You know, I'm just, I'm just happy that we we're, we're here. And now, again, I if I if my little girls want to do that one day, they they have that opportunity. So, breaking barriers left and right. Sarah Fuller kicking in a D1 football game. I had an opportunity to talk with Jennifer King on another podcast, yeah. coaching in the NFL. You multi million dollar deal, just paving the way for again football, women's football to be just yeah. as big, if not bigger. Than yeah. the NFL. And <laughs> when we that. talk about equal pay, and I know you guys, the WFLA has these partnerships where there's so many brands getting behind WFLA. Also, your own personal brand and how you've been able to develop your own personal brand where you've not only, you talk about the videos you've made, how you've been a trainer, how you're now a professional football player, but you also are the first woman, first athlete to own her own sneaker company, Tronus. And you said, remember, nothing is impossible if you want it. And as you just said, go get it. Yes, ma'am. 
your determination <laughs> to create Tronus and to become this businesswoman on top of this amazing athlete. I, I personally want to know how you did it. Man. Give me some Tronos, tips. Honestly. <laughs> so Tronos was actually, um, it, it kind of came, it was an opportunity again. So it was, a, it was a door that I walked through because I was actually a brand ambassador for another shoe company and I was selling their shoes and I was doing really well. So the designer was like, hey, have you ever thought about maybe like creating your own signature shoe? And uh, I was like, you know, I literally haven't thought about it. But, you know, when I was a kid and even to this day, I'm still a sneakerhead. And I was like, of course, as a kid, anybody, I think every kid wanted their own shoe because of Michael Jordan. So I had that dream, but I never like thought that I was going to actually, you know, have a company. That I was like, yeah, why not? So we talked about what, how I wanted it to look, how versatile I wanted it to be, blah, blah, blah. And was he sketched it up, I posted it on my Instagram and everybody went crazy. So he was like, okay, all right. So what about a signature line of just different color shoes? You know, and I was like, okay. So we talked about the colors, he sketched it up. I posted it a second time, it went even crazier. So then my mom had was like, okay, so clearly you have a lot of support. You know, I, I really feel like, you know, you could really take this to the next level. I think you should start a shoe company. And I was like, mom, what? Like, uh, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, like all these big dogs that we have to go against. He was like, Cynthia, you can do it. I believe in you. You have the support. You have the numbers. You know, we clearly have like uh, some <laughs> some uh, analytics to show that, you know, clearly people are interested in this possible shoe that we don't even have yet. So let's let's just let's just do it. And I was like, and I kept saying no. I was like, mom, I'm going to do that. That's too, that's too big. And so she was like, well, just pray on it. So I was like, okay, cool. So I prayed on it. And um, as I was praying, this this little voice was like, you know, what if? Okay, what if it does fail? You can say you tried to create your own shoe company. That's still a big deal. Like, who, who the hell is trying to create a shoe company? Secondly, what if it does work? You're going to be solidifying generational wealth. You're going to be breaking, uh, you know, poverty chains and just all these different things that, you know, you're going to be doing and leaving a legacy for your kids. And, and your kids and their kids and their kids are going to be set forever if you do this right. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to jump. I'm going to jump and just see what happens. And I jumped and it's been, I can't put in words. It's just been amazing. The support. And we knew it was going to be big. We knew it was going to do well, but I had no idea it was going to do this well. So I'm just, I'm just thankful to God, you know, for my mom for pushing me and just for God for opening the door. Boom. I think the most powerful quote from what you just said there is what if it doesn't work? Right. But what if it does? Yep. And then boom, look at how well and how successful you can be by just going out and doing it. Santia, right. last question for you. What is your wish I knew then what I know now? I wish I knew that I'm not defined as an athlete. That doesn't make Santia deck. That doesn't define Santia deck. I was so hard on myself and so gung-ho and my self-worth was in how I performed as an athlete that it took me years to really realize that there's two different sides of that. There's two different people. There's the athlete and then there's Santia Deck, who is all these other things. Now that I know that, I feel like I've been able to detach, not completely detach, but the idea of, okay, if I can never play another down in football, never you know, score another time in rugby, I will be okay. And I could have never said that, like, even a few years ago, you know, but now that I'm, I'm here and I've, I've started to really just focus on a lot of other things outside of sports, you know, I realized that, you know, I would be okay. And what I'm doing outside of sports is honestly even bigger because 
that's what's really going to solidify a lot of things for, for, for my future family, for the next generation, for, for kids I don't even know because I feel like athletes don't understand that you have to have a plan B. If you do not have a plan B, when you're done with that sport, you're going to be so lost because you're not going to know who you are. That's what I would say is like understand that you are so much more than Santia the track runner, Santia the basketball player, Santia whatever you were at that time, and you will see that one day. Boom. You are so much more than an athlete and who you are in this moment. Santia, we got basically a sermon from you today, girl. So many wise words, so many amazing things that you have done, been doing, and will continue to do in this sport of football. I want to give you guys my quote of the week, and it is 100% inspired by Santia and how she kept moving towards her goals, regardless of the adversities and things that she's faced in her life. Keep moving forward. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But keep moving forward. Progress is still progress, no matter how small. Even a car, when the empty light comes on, we know we also got a few more miles in us. Keep moving forward. Santia, (laughs) thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for tuning in. Santia, where can everybody find you and your shoes? Oh yeah, so um, you can find me on uh, tra- on Instagram and fa- well, Instagram is trackbaby one Facebook is Cynthia Deck or Queen of Abs, and then my website is queenofabs.com, and then you can find my shoes at tronosofficial.com. Boom! And make sure you follow, subscribe, like, download, rate, comment, call out this BBW Barrier Breaking Women podcast, where I'm again talking to the most and the best. Barrier breaking women. I like all my women, BBW, breaking barriers. Stay fabulous and keep Bella winning. Catch all you BBWs later.